you have such an abundance of resources. It doesn't make any sense for you not to get exactly what you want. I'm going to say that again. There's an abundance of resources. It doesn't make any sense that you can't get exactly what you want, in my opinion. Welcome to Flourish in the Foreign, the award-winning podcast that celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad, while exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. I'm your host, Christine Job, a Black American woman with Trinidadian roots, a business strategist and consultant from Atlanta, living and thriving in Valencia, Spain. Hey everyone, welcome to Flourish in the Foreign. I'm your host, Christine Job. Thank you all for tuning in for this last episode of season five. Yes, the very last one. Before we get into the episode, I want to take some time to honor one of one of our past podcast guests who has recently passed away. That is really weird to say, but it's true. Miss Miss Gwen Benson Walker from season one, episode 55, where she shared her journey of retiring to Barcelona, has passed away a couple of days ago. And she is and was so lovely, so full of energy and joy, and not to be cliche about it, but truly an inspiration, you know, to live a full life, to raise children and to work and and then decide, you know what, it's not over for me. I'm moving to Spain and I'm going to live my life. And she did. And she touched so many so many people's hearts, and I know that she touched a lot of you as well. It has been, I don't know, I guess a little bit surprising how deeply I'm affected by by this. I did get to speak with Miss Gwen several times, and she is very delightful. I want to say that whatever reason you listen to this podcast, whether it be for inspiration and education to go abroad, whether it be for sisterhood to help fortify you as you are abroad. I'm deeply appreciative that you listen to this podcast and that you listen to each of these women's stories. They are sharing their lives with me, a complete stranger, most of the time so that I can share with all of you. And I don't take that lightly at all. And something about Miss Gwen's passing has made it very clear to me that capturing Black women's stories is so profoundly important. So important for us to tell our stories in our own words, in our own voices. And I just feel very honored that I had the time that I did with her and that she was so gracious to share her story with me and with all of us. I also want you all to really 
really think about who you are living your life for. Are you performing life or are you living life? You know? Are you performing for an audience of people who could really give a damn about you? Are you cultivating a life well-lived from the depths of your soul that fills your heart, that brings joy to you and all that surround you? If you're not, it's really time to stop with the excuses. Changing your life disrupts. It is what it is. Disruption causes disappointment and anger. Sometimes. It is what it is. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. May we all be able to live long, beautiful lives like Miss Gwen. But that is not a promise. So I hope that you listen to this podcast while you're on your walk or you're washing dishes or you're in the car or in the bubble bath or wherever you listen to this podcast. And I hope. You really allow these stories to penetrate. I hope you really, really allow these stories to penetrate. And regardless of what the disruption might be in your life, perhaps it's living abroad, perhaps it's something else. I hope you get busy living life. I hope you get busy cultivating life. And I hope you stop performing. I sincerely hope that for you. Anyway, to Miss Gwen Benson Walker, thank you for everything that you've shared with me and you've shared with all of us. Rest well. So this is the last episode of season five of Flourish in the Foreign, and I'll be taking a hiatus and a long one. To be honest... And I feel like I can be honest. It is my own podcast. Like so many other Black creators, I am burnt out. I am burnt out. I have produced, edited, recorded, marketed over 120 episodes. And I do enjoy and appreciate the support from some of you who extended to me. But to be honest, it's a overall kind of a thankless job. And hey, it is what it is. It's a free podcast. But I am burnt out. And because I truly believe in wellness and taking deep care of myself and to cultivate my creativity in other ways, I will be taking a step back from the podcast for a while. Now, if you're listening and you're like, dang it, I wanted to be on the podcast. Look, you can always fill out the guest inquiry form. And when I feel like coming back, I might hit you up. But I am going to take a pause for this podcast and just focus on other aspects of Flourish in the Foreign and other aspects of my life and my career and my creativity and it feels very weird and I feel very hmm afraid to do that because this podcast has given me so much so so much 
This podcast came into my life at exactly the right time, and I'm forever grateful for that. But it is what it is. We evolve, we change, we need new things, and so we're going on hiatus. Yes. But you'll still see me around. If you want to support the podcast in the interim um, and support this Black woman solo indie creator, you can always buy me a coffee or join the Buy Me a Coffee membership. I just want to let you all know that I love you and I appreciate you. And I will probably very much miss this podcast, but I'm going to do this for me. And I already know that y'all understand. Because y'all the best. All right. Let's get to this episode, shall we? Season 5, episode 13. Today's episode is an Ask Me Anything episode. And to be honest, the questions were different. (laughs) They were a little bit more professional than living abroad like the first Ask Me Anything that I did. So this should be interesting, and I hope that y'all enjoy it. And if you have any more questions that you want me to answer, you can always drop me a voicemail or send me an email on Ask Me Anything. There's a link to it in the description of this episode. And whenever I pick up the podcast again, I'll shout you out. Or maybe I'll write a blog post about it or do something else. Who knows? Stay tuned. All right, let's get to this first question. I've gotten this question many times and usually not from people who listen to the podcast, like people I meet in other professional spaces and things like that. So we'll just kick off with this one, which is places that I think you should look into moving to in 2024. If you've listened to this podcast for a minute or if you follow me on social media, you probably know that I hate (laughs) these really dumb, like, these are the best places to move abroad. This is the best place to be an expat because what's the criteria? You know what I'm saying? Who are you asking? And what are the demographics of this group? I just don't like it. And I don't like it because of that, but I also don't like it because what we're looking for in our lives is quite complex and it really requires an honest assessment of what we need, who we are and what we need to flourish. So I think these lists are abhorrent. However, I do have an opinion on it. I do. I will say this. Europe has become considerably more expensive. Even Italy, Greece, Spain, Portugal, Definitely since 2017 when I moved abroad. So for the people who are looking to move abroad where I think cost of living is like their sole motivator, I wouldn't necessarily say Europe. Now, that's a very general statement because if you're coming from New York or you're coming from Atlanta, those are wildly different cost of livings, even though Atlanta has become absurdly expensive. That's another rant for another day. But those are two different cost of livings, okay? So if you're coming from Atlanta to Europe, maybe I don't think it's that. I mean, it's going to be cheaper, perhaps, depending on where you want to move. 
not to a major city probably. New York, you'll probably still find great cost savings, but you have to be mindful. See, now I am going to, I'm going to get on soapbox. You have to be mindful. Those of you coming from London, New York, Toronto, Vancouver, California, don't just be moving to these countries and paying whatever because y'all hike up the freaking prices, especially to rent. Don't do that. Do your actual research. Don't just be like, oh, this is cheap. I'll take it because you mess up everything you do. I have to get off my soapbox. But yeah, Europe, I don't think necessarily is the move. Places that I think you should look at. Again, this is wildly general because it's like, are you living off investments? Are you retired? Do you have established online business that's doing well or business you can manage online? There's so many different things. What is your budget? What is your lifestyle? What's your tolerance for political unrest? There's a lot of things. I will say, I still think Southeast Asia is a good move. Um, flights to get there are wildly crazy. We didn't know how well we had it. I think I've said on the show before, I was a digital nomad for a hot second in Southeast Asia in 2019. And I flew to Bangkok from Barcelona with like two days, two days notice. And it was $300. I'm so not joking you. It was $300 (laughs) with one layover in Cairo that wasn't even bad. It wasn't even like date. It was like two hours of a layover in Cairo. That it wasn't anything. Those days are long gone. Those days are long gone. But if you can get out there, I still think Southeast Asia is the move personally. Oh, I just love Thailand so much. I really do. I think it's such a great country. I think the people are amazing. There is political unrest. I think everyone should be very mindful and not be ignorant or arrogant to those things because it will affect you. It it will. But yeah, I think Southeast Asia is definitely the move. I would say Thailand, maybe even Malaysia. I don't hear a lot of people talk about Malaysia. KL used to be, Kuala Lumpur used to be fairly affordable and things like that. I'm not sure now, but I think that's a really great move. And plus, it's a really good position in the world to get to a lot of other places. If you want to get to the Middle East, you can. You can get to other places in Southeast Asia, Oceania. I just think Southeast Asia is probably the best move right now. I know that y'all who are listening from Southeast Asia are like, don't tell us people to move here. And I'm like, Now, y'all, stop it. There's probably enough room for everyone. (laughs) I don't know about that. But things have changed a lot. And so this is the thing. In 2024, there are going to be more regulations. That's just what it is. So you just need to get your mind ready for it. You're going to need to show more money. You need to apply for more visas than you've ever had in the past. So listening to people who moved to Thailand 10 years ago is probably not beneficial. Listening to people who moved to Portugal 10 years ago and what they got, what they bought 10 years ago, this is, it's only going to hurt your feelings. So I just feel like, look, everything happens in divine timing. 
Don't cry over what you missed. Just be in this moment and see where your money can go the longest if that's really important to you or where you feel like you can really be nurtured. So I'll say Southeast Asia, Thailand in particular, probably Malaysia. I love Bali, but I've heard Bali is not Baliing the way it used to. I've heard it's gotten ridiculously expensive and kind of overrun with a particular type of digital nomad, which does not sound appealing to me, but I still go to Bali. I I don't know if I moved to Bali, but I was still vacation there. Another great thing about being in Southeast Asia is that the flights are really affordable. Shout out to AirAsia, who is not a sponsor of this podcast, but should be because I really love AirAsia, actually. I think it's really wonderful. So getting around Asia is really convenient and fairly economical. So shout out to Southeast Asia. Let's switch regions. Okay, so if we're thinking about South America... It's a little bit difficult because South America has some of the issues that Africa has, which the intercontinental flights are like crazy. You'd be like, what? I'm just trying to go to the next country over. Yeah, not a good look. I don't know if we can, how we can fix that. I don't know if Mercosur is working on it. Probably not. But that's something that they should work on. But we're talking about South America. Hmm. You know what? I would say, how about looking into Uruguay? Because I did have a guest in season four, Tiandra, who is thriving in Uruguay. And it wasn't even on my radar at all. But hearing her story, it's really opened my eyes to Uruguay. And I don't think it's a place that a lot of people think about. If you're looking for some place that's not a top destination, so it's not necessarily overhyped, there's not a ton of expats or Western immigrants, so perhaps the prices are still reasonable. I'm not sure about Uruguay. I would say maybe look into that. Montevideo, I've heard good things. That could be interesting for 2024. I would also say... I'm a big fan of Panama, not Panama City, because Panama City just reminds me of Miami. And it's just too, it's too much like Miami to me, in my opinion. I'm like, I've been here before. But maybe like the western coast of Panama, I think that could be a cool spot. It's still relatively close to the U.S., if that's important to you. And I really like it because as soon as I landed, everybody was speaking to me in Spanish because they thought I was Panamanian. So Shout out to that. I think Colombia still, honestly, though, I would probably be more gravitating towards the Caribbean coast, but Colombia is still a place I would think. Where else? Let's go to the continent. Where would I say is a place to look at on the continent? I think it really depends on what you're looking for when it comes to infrastructure. Healthcare, access, safety, political stability. Yeah. I would probably say, I don't know why this feels like it's a controversial opinion, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think Rwanda is a place to look at for sure. I've just heard so many great things. I've had a lot of guests who have lived in Rwanda. I also know people outside of the podcast who have spent some considerable time in Rwanda, really enjoyed it. Every place has its issues for sure. But if you're asking me what I think, maybe 
think about it. Yeah. I would say maybe also Nairobi and Kenya, but I think the cost of living and being able to get around. Yeah. The only, my only hesitation about Nairobi and Kenya is if you want to have like your own business and the, like the ability to actually get started in country and the ability to find reliable vendors. These are things that have been shared with me. That's my thought there. Anywhere else I would think of, I want to spend more time in the Caribbean and specifically Trinidad. I don't know if I'd ever move to Trinidad because my grandparents, particularly my grandmother, is like, no, it's too dangerous, which is such an interesting thing. I don't know if that's just like across all immigrants. They're like, no, you don't go back. But that's something I'm interested in. I got a question about if I could give advice for solo travelers, which I've never asked. And I'm so happy that you asked me this because uh, a lot of the solo traveler TikToks that I scroll through, I'm not impressed with them. I'm not, but I also have to realize I come from a different perspective for sure with solo travel. I started traveling as an unaccompanied minor when I was four years old. Don't question me. It was a different time. Okay. It was like the early 90s. Shit was different. And most of my travel has been solo. My biggest piece of advice for solo traveling is that you must, I'm not even going to recommend, that's not a piece of advice, like maybe you could do it. I think it's actually a requirement. You must have another language. You don't have to be fluent in another language. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be the language of the country that you're going to visit, okay? But when we're talking about like the, a piece of advice that can be utilized multiple times that has like multiple returns on investment, Okay. Meaning safety, meaning probably get like better rates when you're haggling, meaning you'll make more friends. Like all these things is having another language. I know that people just want to be like, what can I get on Amazon? And I'm sorry, like, nah, fam. No. (laughs) If you don't have language acquisition of some sort, on your New Year's resolution or as an active hobby, then I don't know what to tell you. I really don't because it opens up so many freaking doors. And again, I didn't say you have to be fluent and you got to write a dissertation and check or whatever, Mandarin. I didn't say any of that. But your world especially as a solo Black woman traveler, will open up immensely if you can converse, even at a rudimentary level, in a different language, okay? That is the best solo traveler tip. That's the best solo traveler tip. Nobody, I'm sorry, I've looked at some of these TikToks. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not really impressed. People would be like, oh, the best places to go if you're a Black woman. No. The worst places to go if you're a Black woman. No. Like, all this stuff is based upon this one person's experience and their personality and their language ability and their, like, a lot of stuff. I'm not going to deny that anti-Blackness isn't global. It 100% is. Colorism, 100%. A lot of things. Passport privilege, yes. 
But if you're asking me what my number one tip is language acquisition, that's what's going to change everything for you. And again, like I said, it doesn't have to be the language that you're going to be speaking in this country. For example, you speak English, but you're going to go to Chile. You don't speak Spanish. You should learn some Spanish. I'm assuming that you have a a language book, but maybe you are conversational in French. You're going to have a way better time in Chile. You know why? Because people from all around the world speak French. Okay. (laughs) So you'll be in Chile having this conversation or befriending people in French. Maybe you'll switch to English, maybe switch to Spanish, whatever, but you will have a completely different experience. Safety wise, when people can't place you, this is my experience. When people can't place you, you become less of a target. Okay. When I'm traveling solo, I'm not talking all loud. Okay. I'm usually not speaking at all. I'm observing. If someone tries to engage me, especially if I think they're sus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak in a language that I don't think that they can speak. Even if they can't speak it, they're going to be shocked that I'm speaking. So now their whole reevaluation about who I am, if I'm a mark or not, changes. I'm not having a whole conversation with them. I just responded to them in this language. Maybe I'll respond to another language when they say something else to me. They don't know who I am. They don't know what's going on. And I walk away. You see what I'm saying? Language acquisition. Also, a lot of y'all want to work abroad or you want different opportunities abroad. Language acquisition. Again, not necessarily have to be in the language of the country that you're moving to. I mean, it makes sense that it would be. But there's a lot of things that happen. Maybe there's a German company. You're in Chile or something. There's a German company, but you speak German. You see how I'm saying? That's the number one tip. And I think I'm really passionate about it because I have so many friends, so many European friends, particularly from Eastern Europe, that speak five languages. And I'm just like, their life is so fascinating because Eastern Europe is not very rich, but they have created so many opportunities by being able to speak multiple languages. Okay, there's lots of regions in the world that people have not only just picked up English, but they've picked up several other languages. That is a cheat code to to solo travel, to professional wellness. That's the cheat code. The cheat code for this year is language acquisition. I promise you. Take my advice and get back to me. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Learn some Mandarin if that's what you want or Japanese. And go to Ecuador or go to somewhere else and use your language and tell me it doesn't immediately help you out. You make friends like crazy. People be like, oh my God, I speak Japanese too. You'll be in somewhere where you didn't think nobody else spoke Japanese. I promise you, it's the best. Mark my words. The next question is how to find a therapist abroad. Goodness. <laughs> That's a conversation we could have. How to find a therapist abroad, and not just a therapist, right? I'm assuming a, a therapist that you will actually talk to and you will st- stay the course. It's tough. I'm not going to lie because you might be, depending on how comfortable you are in various languages, maybe it'll be easier for you. I don't want to do therapy in Spanish. I don't. I'll just say that I don't, I have no interest in doing therapy and talking about my lived experience in Spanish. I'm sorry. (laughs) And 
I would prefer to have a black woman therapist also. Uh, I don't have a black woman therapist. I do have a nice therapist who is Latina. So I think that's really important. I need, I need somebody when I tell them things, they get it. I don't need somebody to try to therapize me out of my lived experience. That's a no go. It would never work on me anyway. So no. So finding a therapist abroad. I think I've said this before. There, some therapists that I know have found a way to work around licensing issues by providing life coaching services. So they'll be fully accredited. Okay, so these are not like life coaches who got like a certificate from lifecoachschool.com. No shade, no shade. But these are people who went to school, are licensed in their country of origin, are in good standing and stuff like that and have a life coaching like side or arm of their business. I think that's probably the best way to handle that. If you find a therapist who you enjoy at home, who is willing to life coach you abroad, that would be great. I don't know the ethics of that, but I'm just telling you what some people have done. My therapist is actually a registered therapist here in Spain. But if I couldn't work with her, I would do this. <laughs> I would find a life coach. I would. Also, the best way to find it is, I think, word of mouth. There's a lot of directories. Therapy for Black Girls has a pretty extensive directory. I don't think it's international, though. I'd put out a call on LinkedIn, honestly, but I put out a call on LinkedIn. I would put out a call in my, the Facebook groups, like the expat groups. And if you're in a WhatsApp group, I would ask for people's personal recommendations for finding a therapist. But finding a therapist that you like, that you feel comfortable with. It takes time and it can be quite difficult when you're abroad. I have interviewed a couple of therapists on the podcast before. I'm with Tessie, who is in Berlin, and Kelly Bonner, who does Black Girl Burnout. However, she doesn't work one-on-one, -on -one, I believe. Frances Lease, I'm not sure if they're still offering therapy, but there are there have been several therapists featured on this podcast. I I would say though, I would look for a personal recommendation. That's what I would do. And I would put it out. I know everyone's like LinkedIn is just I think asking like, hey, I'm looking for a therapist that has these credentials in this area or who can service this area on LinkedIn. I think that's totally fine. Plus you find someone who's actually legit. I think it's fine, but depending on how comfortable you are, do what you feel. Another question I get, I've gotten this in several different ways. People who are just now discovering the podcast, I'm so happy that you're here. And they feel a little bit overwhelmed. They're like, where should I begin? And I'd be like, oh yeah, there are over 100 episodes. Can I tell you though, I think you should begin at the compilation episodes, okay? The reason why I think you should begin at the compilation episodes is that it allows you to like hop around different episodes around a specific topic. And if you enjoy that person, if you're like, I want to hear more of what she has to say, you can do so by just going to that episode. So it's a really, I think it's a really great little platter, personally. And I would say that it helps you to get really well versed into this world of not only living abroad, but Black women living abroad and really understanding that there's no monolithic experience. Because let me tell you, that's why I love this podcast so much. 
I love it so much because, look, these women are living their lives and it looks different everywhere. And they have no problem telling you what their lived experience is. So I would say start at the compilation episodes. Uh, I have Dating Abroad. Okay. Y'all love that. Dating Abroad Part 1, Dating Abroad Part 2. I have uh, Build a Business Abroad Part 1, which features a lot of the women that have been on the podcast, their business entities. We have... Pregnancy Abroad, which has been an eye-opener for me. Although I am child-free by choice, I love Black women, and I want us to have the best experiences in everything in the world, particularly pregnancy. And it's been really eye-opening, the different experiences you can have abroad while being pregnant. Motherhood Abroad also. I have Motherhood Abroad Part 1, Part 2. I have Healthcare Abroad, which honestly, I think... More people need to listen to those episodes. Financial wellness. That episode is a compilation. I think it's a really good compilation. That's a compilation, though, that you need to listen to several times with your notebook out and take lots of notes. Okay. And then because there's a lot of actual things that you need to go ahead and do. Yeah. So I would say start with the compilations. And I think I'll do more compilations in the future because I think they're so helpful. But that's my opinion. I always try to get people not to cherry pick based off location. One, because like the title doesn't always tell you everywhere they've lived. And sometimes I try to put it in the description, but I've been doing this for three years. So sometimes some of the stuff is old. I've evolved my perspective in SEO has changed and I haven't updated it. So yeah, I will caution you against actually cherry picking based off of a country. One, because it goes against my philosophy and moving abroad with intention, which is never to choose a country first. That's not what you do. Those of you that listen to those episodes or you've heard me rant and rave about this, or if you have the Move Abroad with Intention Guide, you know that the first step is to really understand who you are and what is working in your life, what is not working, and you start developing a picture, a clear picture of what a life well lived would look like. And we don't get to the country selection of it later on because we are trying to really be anchored in a clear vision of who we are and what we want. And then we allow ourselves be open to the possibilities of locations and places that will nurture us. Not that where we have to figure out how we can be nurtured in a place because we've already decided on a place. Okay. I'm going to step off my soapbox for that, but that's what I would say. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And if you have, please support this labor of love because it is labor. Nonetheless, you can support this solo indie podcast by becoming a member of the Flourish in the Foreign Buy Me a Coffee membership, where you can subscribe to support the podcast on a monthly basis. You can also give one-time support via Buy Me a Coffee as well. And you can do either one at buymeacoffee.com slash flourishforeign. 
Support this podcast by writing a review on whichever platform you listen to the podcast. And if you listen on Spotify, you can also leave comments on each episode and even answer some of the poll questions I've created for certain episodes. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family and even the colleagues you kind of like. This podcast continues to exist and thrive due to listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued support. Now, back to the episode. I've been asked by several people who they didn't identify this way, but I am going to go ahead and identify them this way as fairly young, ambitious Black women, which I love. You know, women after my own heart who've asked me questions about how I do what I do, how do you, like, how have I done all the things that I've done? I love that. I love it so much. When I was in my 20s, I was definitely a very aggressively ambitious young woman. And, you know, sometimes people don't really like that. But I also developed a personality where I was like, you have to tell me no to my face. That's what's going to have to happen. I say all that to say is that I appreciate, you know, young women being ambitious, trying to ask me questions and all those types of things. I appreciate your hustle. I see you. I was once you. I still feel like I am, but Father Time says that's not true. <laughs> so let's get into these like very specific questions, which I love. I will say this. I've said this a couple of times. I'm child-free by choice. Doesn't mean I hate children. I love children, but it's just not for me. And I think sometimes what people say like, oh, I've always had that maternal urge. I've never had that. But what I have had is I've always felt very strongly about being a big sister. I am a big sister. I think I'm a damn good big sister. I I take on that role of like mentorship and maybe leadership very seriously. I'm pretty good at it. So for me to be able to impart any quote unquote wisdom is an honor. It is also a place I feel really comfortable. <laughs> Maybe it's a Capricorn in me. I'm like, oh, you want me to tell you what to do? Okay, no problem. <laughs> so shout out to the ladies who've asked me this, these types of questions. I think when you reached out to me, I just didn't have the capacity. So part of my wellness and part of my soft life is being honest when I don't have the capacity to do a one-on-one to be a mentor or whatever. That's just what it is. But I would like to address some of these questions because I did re- write to all of y'all, but I'd like to address some of these questions for everyone. Okay. One of you guys had mentioned that you were a writer and that you had heard that I did write for a time. And you were really curious as to how you could be a writer and go abroad. And the advice I gave you was fairly specific. But I will give some general advice for everyone else. One, I have a background in law and I fell into this opportunity to be a blog writer for a boutique web development firm through networking. Let's do an exercise together. So you want to be a writer and you listen to this podcast. Now, I'm going to tell you, there have been so many people who've been writers on this podcast that you need to go ahead and listen to those episodes. People have written books. 
Okay, one, the authors that I've featured. So you should go back and listen to all the episodes I've done with like Lola Akamande, or you should listen to the one I did with um, Tamara J. Walker. You should listen to the one I've did with L'Oreal Tharps. I've featured lots of authors, a lot of people who've written books. I'm trying to think about everyone who comes to mind right now, but like Morgan, Sophia, Nikem. I think go back to all the episodes where people are writers and they talk about writing and listen to those episodes. You have to listen to the episodes first, not because I'm like, oh, I want the downloads, but because it's a sign of respect to the person that you are about to approach. Okay. I think that might be the issue that a lot of people don't get when relationship building is that relationship building is both give and ask. Notice I didn't say take. It's a give and an ask. And a lot of people are really lazy with the give. They're just like, I have nothing to give. Just help me. And like, that means that you want to pay someone for a service. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you have nothing to give and you're just like, I just need someone to handle this for me. That's the service that you're requesting. And so people should be charging you. Okay. If you're actually trying to build a relationship with someone, it is a give and an ask. And that give should be really specific. It should showcase how much you have done your homework on this person in a non-stalker way, right? You Maybe you start with listening to their episode on this podcast. Then you go to their show notes page and you click on their websites and their social media and you get to know them so that when you are ready to email them or message them, you can demonstrate that you know what they do and what they don't do, right? The topics they talk about or their particular journey or what their zone of genius is and what you can offer to them in service and ideas in what have you before you make a very specific ask, not a general ask, okay? Now, this is a little bit complicated because I definitely have told people in the past that I was also the queen of like informational meetings. At the very beginning of my career, I, was, I would ask everyone for an informational meeting and it would work and you would get time with people and get to talk to them. I'm not saying no, don't ask for an informational meeting, but like if you ask me for an informational meeting, it's it probably not, it's not gonna work on me because I'm be like, what do you want specifically? What do you want specifically? And I only say that not to be an asshole or anything like that. It's just like, uh, I have to really manage my time quite tightly. And if you come with a very specific ask, perhaps I will say, you know what? It's better if we just jump on a call, a 15 minute call or a 30 minute call. Or I might say, here are some resources. Like this will help you better than talking to me. Or what I have also done is I have personally introduced people to people that I know because you came to me with a very specific ask and you demonstrated that you were about your business. That's also what is so important about the give part, right? You've demonstrated that you're about your business. You demonstrated that you are a credible person. You know what I'm saying? Because you'll be contacting people basically like strangers off the street. 
And if you're just like, hey, I listen to this podcast, give me this. It sounds crazy. It's just, it's crazy and it's just horrible. And I just don't know why I have to tell people that it sounds crazy and it's horrible, but here I am. It's crazy and it sounds horrible and it doesn't get you anything. You need to demonstrate in your email, your message that you have listened, that you are a fan or that you are intrigued. You don't have to like kiss someone's ass. You just need to show that you've done your homework so that someone may actually want to respond to you. Does that make sense? I think it's just, it's a sign of respect as well, especially if you didn't have an ask of, and you're asking someone to do something for you, asking of their time, asking of their network. Like you need to prove yourself that you are someone I can say, yeah, contact so-and-so and tell them I sent you. Okay. How about an aside though? Let me say this really quickly. This happened one time this year. Someone did use my name when they contacted a past podcast guest. They didn't say, oh, I listen to you on Flourish on Foreign. They made it sound like I know them. And then they also made it sound like I personally recommended them to contact this past podcast guest. This has nothing to do with the writer. If you're the one who wrote me about the writing thing, that's not you, girl. I, I gave you that one and don't worry about that. This was someone who didn't even write to me. They didn't write to me at all. They just dropped my name. And don't do that. Don't you in your life ever do that, okay? Because it's not like, oh yeah, I, I really like Christine and da, da, da. It wasn't like that. They framed it as if they knew me. And I personally recommended them to contact this past podcast guest. And that was not the case at all. They had never written to me. I didn't know this person from anything. Don't ever do that in your life because that past podcast guest texted me. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know, like I'm closer. Or I keep in more contact with some past podcast guests than others, but they all know that they can email me at any time. And be like, what's up with this? So don't do that because then I'll be like, who? What? We had to get on the phone. And I'd be like, girl, tell them to go on because I don't know them. Don't ever do that. Okay. That's one way for me to remember you. You weren't even on my radar. And for you to be, I won't say blackballed because who am I? I'm an industry, but don't do that. That's highly inappropriate. And if you think like no one will know, People email me all the time, like what you may see on the podcast and like on social media is like 2% of what's actually happening, not only with this podcast, but with the brand and my professional life. It's vibrant over here. It's flourishing over here. But like, don't do that. Um, highly inappropriate. If we're talking about how to be a writer you would go back into all these episodes and I would figure out one or two that I deeply resonate with. I would listen to their episodes. I would go to their websites or social media. I would figure out why I resonate with them because I would include that in my email or my message. I would also figure out what is my particular stance in writing the things I'm trying to accomplish and what I can offer. Offering something, giving doesn't necessarily have to be a service. It can be if you want. It can just be very well thought out ideas, concepts, advice, what have you. 
that are so engaging that someone might actually want to talk to you. And then you can make an ask. That is how you, that's how you build relationships, guys. And honestly, Flourishing the Foreign, not to toot my own horn, is an excellent podcast to do that with. It's an excellent resource to build your own community with and build and cultivate your own relationships with. It really is. I know all these women. I know them, okay? But you don't. You know of them because you listen to the podcast, but these women are not part of your network. These women are part of my network, right? So how do you how do you leverage this opportunity is to listen with sincerity and the people that you really resonate with and you'd like to know more, you approach them with that type of sincerity and authenticity, okay? That's how you build a relationship. Also, relationships are not built overnight. Don't be asking for things that you need ASAP to people you don't know and you're not willing to pay. I feel like this is also very obvious, but I don't know. Apparently it's not. So that is my professional advice. I'd also say as a young, ambitious woman that I once was, I still feel very young, but I'm not in my 20s. I would be so audacious now. Okay, now I told you not to be crazy and I'm now telling you to be audacious. This is the thing. You have to be strategic with this audacity, okay? You got to be strategic with this audacity. Meaning like, you you might say, oh, I can't possibly reach out to so-and-so because I'm merely a... No, you can reach out to whoever. You can reach out to anyone in the world. I think Mrs. Michelle Obama has an email, at least her foundation does. I would reach out to Mrs. Obama if I wanted to. You know, if I had something to say to her, I would. That is what you should be audacious with. Now, in the delivery, in the ask, is what you need to have some sense. It doesn't mean that the ask can't be audacious. It just needs to have some sense. It needs to have some context. It needs to have some research. It needs to have some sense, okay? But the ask can be audacious The aspiration can be audacious. I just think that when you show that you have sense, it shows that you are competent, interesting, smart, and it works. In my opinion, it, it works. That's my advice for young women who are wanting to go abroad without any more context of what you want to do abroad. Maybe I should do a call in for those of you that may have some more advice for these young women who are listening to the podcast. I might do that because let me tell you something. When I graduated from undergrad, I wanted to go abroad then. Okay. And it was a recession. Nothing was happening. I didn't know anything about the auxiliar program. If I did, I would have done that, but I didn't know about anything. Like it was crazy. I didn't have nearly as many resources as y'all do now. And the thing about having abundance of resources though, is being able to really exercise discernment and actually execute strategy so that your efforts don't go to waste. Partly they will because, hey, that's how you learn. You live, you learn. You thought you want something. You actually don't want it. Da, da, da. But like you have such an abundance of resources. It doesn't make any sense for you not to get exactly what you want. I'm going to say that again. There's an abundance of resources. It doesn't make any sense that you can't get exactly what you want. 
in my opinion. If you have discernment, okay, you got to have some sense. You got to be competent, okay? You need to be able to communicate that. I don't see why you can't have everything that you want in your career at some point. Um, As I get older, I do realize that you can have everything, but you can't have it all at the same time, which is something that I used to resist all the time. I used to be like, watch me. No, it's true. (laughs) You really can't have everything you want at the same time. You will burn yourself out and you'll be miserable. You'll be doing cool things and be miserable. One of my biggest regrets, well, yeah, I guess it's a regret, is that I have done and accomplished a lot of things and I have not savored them in the moment. I was like, on to the next thing. And please do not be like me. Please enjoy your life, regardless if you're crushing it, killing it, or whatever people want to say that you're hitting your goals or not. Enjoy your life. Do not put off living your life, I would say. But perhaps I should have a segment in which whoever, not just women who are abroad, just some of the women who are listening to this podcast might want to give some advice. I would love to do that, honestly, because I know some of the women that do listen to this podcast because you guys have reached out to me. And y'all some bad mamma jammas. I've said this before, like I have amazing women that listen to this podcast. I'm not going to call y'all out because you didn't ask for that. But just know, I was shocked. Some of these, I was like, oh my goodness, you be listening to my podcast? Some of the women that listen to this podcast and who have been longtime supporters of me and the podcast are some bad mamma jammas, okay? I got to figure out a way to get everybody in community because I think Flourish in the Foreign is probably like the best. The Out of the guests and the audience, y'all should know each other. Y'all should know each other. We'll figure out how we're going to make that happen. All right, on to the next question. Okay, so I got some questions about how to build a business abroad. And um, I've talked about this a lot. There's a whole season three about how to build a business abroad. What I will say, which I don't think I've said before, maybe I haven't said specifically, is this. I think it's really important, regardless of what you're doing abroad, if you're going to be retired or if you're like 22 and you're going to launch your career abroad. In this day and age, it is so important to have a really strong personal brand. It's important. It's important to have your own little website, I would say, even if it just says, this is who I am, this is what I do. Even if you have a corporate gig, you know, these corporate entities are not necessarily loyal to everyone. And that's capitalism for you. I I think the best way is to have a, a strong personal brand and perhaps a portfolio, which you could monetize. But I'm not going to say that you should monetize everything that you do in your life, every aspect of your life. I think that is sad. That has become the reality for a lot of people because we should be just enjoying life. However, if you do have a strong personal brand and if something happens or if you're like, I just need to have additional income to my corporate job or whatever, having a strong personal brand is going to get you there faster. A hundred percent. What do I mean by having a strong personal brand? It's not about a brand that's all about your personal business. (laughs) As a content creator, I'm never going to push that because I don't engage in that. Maybe one day I will be and I will monetize 
the drama that is my life. <laughs> uh, today is not the day. What I mean by personal brand is your particular philosophy that you've developed either through schooling, your lived experience, your work experience in your industry, right? And the great thing about personal brand is that it does not have to be exclusive to what your current job or your current industry is. That's the beauty of it, is that it showcases you in whatever light that you want, which makes maneuvering or pivoting into something different, I believe, easier because you have proof of concept, because you've been talking about it, because you're known for that. Okay. Some ways to develop a personal brand is to start a blog and have a couple of content pillars that you want to hit. So for example, if I want to work abroad, but I, I don't really see a way forward, perhaps I would start a blog and some of my content pillars would be career development as a young professional. One would be my thoughts about my particular industry that I really want to go into if I haven't landed a job there. And I would also incorporate international aspects to that as well. Another aspect could be the job search internationally if you want it to be. And maybe you have an interest, like you have a philanthropic interest, I don't know, in climate or if you want to be on a board of something. Like I would write about the things that I'm interested in and I would share it. I would share it on LinkedIn. And tell people this is what I'm interested in and this is who I am and come to my website. And then I would leverage those blog posts to guest blog for other people who are interesting and maybe more established in these respective spaces. I would leverage this blog post and I would share it with people that I wanted to build a relationship with, right? So I want to get to know so-and-so that was on Flourish in the Foreign. I listened to their episode. I look at their website. I think they're great. I would love to collaborate with them or I would love some time just to talk to them. I'm going to showcase the fact that I've done my research on them. And I'm going to say, and I wrote this interesting blog post I think you would find fascinating. That's how I would do it. That's how you get results too, I think. I've done that. So you deal with blogs, vlogs, podcast episodes, but you do have to put your opinions down and commemorate them so that you can leverage them so that people will know that even if you aren't in this industry now, you're well-versed, you're curious, or you have an interesting perspective. That's, that is the personal brand. That's what I would say. And also consistency. Consistency really trumps everything, though, if I'm being honest. I mean, you want to do good work, but consistency, it also showcases that you're serious about it. You didn't just do one blog post, like you're serious. So uh, if I'm building a business abroad, if I'm starting my career abroad, personal brand, that's really important. For example, my personal brand, I'm actually changing it a little <laughs> It's my personal brand is always evolving because I'm always evolving as a person. And I hate saying multi-hyphenate, but I guess I'm a multi-hyphenate. I do a lot. People be like, what? You did, when did you do that? And I'd be like, girl, 
I pre-record so many things. I just, I be doing stuff. So for me, like you may know me, Flourish LaFour and Christine lives abroad in Spain. Other people know me as a business strategist, particularly working with women of color. Other people know me as an award-winning podcaster, but also a champion of women's voices around the world and putting on content and programming that elevates women's voices around the world and also really investigate how podcasting can not only be an amazing and accessible way for storytelling, but also truth-telling and journalism and also economic empowerment. And we know that when women are economically empowered in communities, the whole community changes. So you might know me from that. You might know that I'm a lawyer. Maybe you knew that. Maybe you didn't know that. So (laughs) I'm a lawyer that doesn't practice traditionally. But maybe you know that that side of me as well. I say all that to say is that there's many different points of contact to get to know the brand. Christine Joe, right? There's many different points of contact. And then there's a lot of stuff to discover, which allows me to do a lot of the things that I get invited to do. It allows me to dream very big and to have people co-sign my absurdity sometimes. I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. But that is the importance of having a personal brand. It's always evolving. I definitely am going to be making some adjustments in 2024 because there's other things I want to do. That's how I do it. I guess that's a good way to think about it. I think about the things that I want to do and I think about my personal brand, especially when I'm thinking about doing things collaboratively because I don't need to do everything by myself. I need someone to help me. But I think about it. I I think about what do I want to do? What am I known for? Is there a natural connection? Even though sometimes opportunities come out of the blue, but like, is there a natural connection? If there's not a natural connection, how can I create a natural connection? How do I need to position myself to be introduced into a different circle? Yeah, develop a personal brand. I could talk more about that because I think that goes hand in hand in relationship building and community building. It's nuanced, but I could talk about that as well. Okay. So I had been asked earlier this year about getting a corporate job in Europe or North America with a Caribbean passport. And I have wanted to let you know that I have gone back and forth with people trying to get them to answer my question. It's been hard. So I'm going to give you my opinion, okay, about how to approach this. I think passport privilege is real, 100%. It's 100% real and it's disgusting for sure. Especially when we think about, let me not totally go into it. Let me calm down. (laughs) Let me calm down. Let me calm down. Because I'm like, you know what? That's not the question you asked me. If I wanted to go from a Caribbean passport holder living in the Caribbean, wanting to go to a senior level position in Europe and North America, I think one of the first things I would think about is obviously joining a company that's multinational, which I think you said that you had experience in a multinational before and trying to get a transfer to another branch. I would also think about this. I would think about joining the government of whichever Caribbean country I'm from or I'm based out of or seeing who works in their marketing department, because I believe you said you're in marketing. And trying to utilize and get on board 
for some of their foreign relations outreach, right? So in the United States, there is the American Chamber of Commerce, and there's American Chamber of Commerce in most cities. I'll say there's one in both Madrid and in Barcelona, and they're promoting American interests in Spain. And they're also a really great resource for people who want to do business in the United States. I would try to get involved with that type of entity because they're going to have some sort of outreach and entity and perhaps in the country that you're looking for or perhaps not, but it might be a great way to get on board with that. I would see who is the director of that, who is in marketing. I would look them up on LinkedIn I would message them after I did my little research, see what they do. If I know anybody that knows them that can make an introduction, I would ask for one hour of their time. Or actually, before I even ask for one hour of the time, I'd see like what types of projects they've worked on, what are the things that they're posting about, they're happy about, especially at the end of the year. What are people posting them, tagging them in? And seeing where there is natural alignment where you can showcase like, oh, I'm so happy that this campaign went really well in Amsterdam. However, I think that this could have made it even more impactful because I did X, Y, and Z with my own company. I'd love to talk to you about your experience with XYZ Chamber of Commerce in Amsterdam. And that's how I would do it. It's very convoluted, 100%. But if I'm honest, All the opportunities I've ever gotten have never been linear. They've never been linear. It's never been like, here's a job opening or here's the opportunity. It's rarely been like that. It's always been through relationship building, which feels very convoluted. and It's a lot of work, but you learn so much. You learn who the key players are. You learn like that sounds like a good opportunity, but it's not, girl. Run. You learn so much and then your name is discussed before any job posting gets posted. You know what I'm saying? You are just a top of mind or people really put you on. That's what I would do. I would feel horrible that I couldn't give you the type of response like from the people I was thinking of, but they were moving too slow and we got a podcast to put out. But that's how it goes sometimes. You put out a call, you ask for collaboration. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. That is my advice, though. I do have several guests who are Caribbean who are working abroad. There's a lot of Caribbean women that have been on the podcast, either sometimes first generation, second generation, but with strong ties. I think it's really important if you resonate with somebody, reach out to them. You never know who people know. But anyway, that is my advice is I would just uh, make all the relationships possible. If there's a conference or something, I don't know, maybe if there's like a, a conference, a, a marketing conference, like Web Web Summit or something like that, <clears throat> I would pitch myself to speak. Like these are the, this, what I'm talking about being audacious, this is the type of thing that I would do. Speaking about marketing from a Caribbean perspective, which I think would actually be really fascinating to talk about, right? Because I think people would think Caribbean's perspective is just tourism and da da da. And I think that would actually be a really great perspective. That's how I would start navigating my professional hunt for a job in North America or in Europe. 
And the reason why I would also do that is because I think it elevates your profile so that if you need to come in on a highly skilled visa, perhaps due to your passport, then that demonstrates it as well. So that is my advice. I hope that is helpful. As I said before, this is the end of season five. I hope that you've enjoyed this season. This season was really a gift to put together for y'all. I appreciate your patience, especially with me having to deal with some health issues and things like that. I appreciate your patience and I appreciate your love and your support. Flourish in the form would not be here without all of you. And I love y'all and I respect y'all and I appreciate y'all. In the meantime, between time, Flourish and Foreign is going on hiatus, but there are over 100 episodes, so y'all have a lot to listen to or re-listen. These are classics. They're classic episodes. So there's so much to learn and so much to listen to. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. Be sure to grab the Move Abroad with Intention guide to not only aid in your leap abroad and making sure that it is successful, but also if you're already abroad, to keep you engaged and to keep you accountable as you cultivate this new life abroad. I've also curated a playlist of sorts that goes with the guide. I made a whole list of episodes of this podcast that I think will be really helpful as you complete the guide. You can find that list in the description of this episode. And I'd also suggest that you grab the Build a Business Abroad guide if building your own business abroad or taking it abroad is something that interests you. It's not for everybody, but for those of you that are interested in it, I highly suggest you grab that guide. And I've created a playlist for the Build a Business Abroad guide as well, which is basically just season three of this podcast. Season three of this podcast was a mini season all about building a business abroad. Be sure to check out the Flourish in the Foreign blog and the Flourish in the Foreign bookshop powered by bookshop.org, where you can support local bookstores and flourish in the foreign at the same time. Check out my list of books to help you move, live, and thrive abroad. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Flourish in the Foreign YouTube channel for when I drop new videos and follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Flourish Forum. You can also follow the podcast on LinkedIn at Flourish in the Foreign. And of course, subscribe to the podcast via whichever platform you listen on and leave a review. As always, big thanks to Zachary Higgs for producing the music of this here podcast. Remember, it's not about moving abroad. It's not about being abroad. It's about flourishing abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived.